Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. What did the 1619 Project and Historic Preservation have in common? Well, I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that. But don't forget to purchase that Reading George Washington class if you're listening in July of 2023. Use that coupon code WASHINGTON. Get $70 off the class. It's the best price you're ever going to get it. So go to McClanahan Academy, purchase one or more 20 classes there. You keep this podcast free of charge, and you get great content. It's a win-win for you. You can also support the show by going to Spotify for Podcasters. You can subscribe there. You can also go to the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can go to the shop tab, buy my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Let people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. And if you're watching on YouTube, use the Super Thanks button under the video. You can, of course, support the show that way as well. And send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. All right. Well, let's talk about this idea of historic preservation in the 1619 Project. And also, the Naming Commission. What do all these things have in common right now? Well, for years, historic preservation, for the last, say, half century, I, I would suggest, historic preservation has been... Uh, an idea that's dominated uh, the American historical profession. And preservation can be all kinds of things. We often think of it like saving a house. And it actually started that way, and I'm going to talk about that with an article from the, from the Smithsonian Magazine, which is came out in 2020, but it's kind of ironic that the uh, magazine would promote preservation, while at the same time, these same historians who like to talk about preservation are often in league with tearing things down. They're not really interested in preserving anything. They're interested in an agenda. They're interested in activism and their own vision of what American history should be. Not what it is, not understanding it, but what it should be, you see? And this is no clearer than the efforts of the Naming Commission to remake uh, American society, or at least when it comes to military bases and the American military tradition, to remake it, to remove part of it that they find in their mind to be awful. So I'm going to talk about these two things together and how that was not the case when you look at uh, the early efforts at historic preservation in American society. And we're going to focus on one, uh, one house in particular that shows this. And that, of course, would be Mount Vernon. 
Now, the earliest efforts at historic preservation centered on Mount Vernon. Also, John Hancock's home in, uh, in Boston, which is gone. It was on Beacon Hill. It was torn down, and uh, there were other things built there. But back in the, in the middle of the 19th century, both of these establishments, and this is that Smithsonian piece I, was, I mentioned. I'm not going to read through it because it's an interview and about preservation, about how important it is. Again, but not really. Uh, back in the 1850s, there was an effort to save both Mount Vernon and John Hancock's home. It was unsuccessful with John Hancock, but it was successful with Mount Vernon. And it was successful because the Ladies of Mount Vernon Association was established by Southerners, by the way. And their effort was to preserve the plantation. They bought it and then to preserve it and raise money to basically revitalize the property, to keep it from falling into disrepair and being bulldozed and being wiped from the face of the earth. Now, George Washington was... Uh, was revered both north and south. I mean, there's no doubt about this. I mean, George Washington was the glue that held everything together. It's why my most recent class at McClanahan Academy focuses on George Washington. He was the indispensable man, the, the most important man in American history by far. So the ladies, the Mount Vernon Ladies Association begins to raise money, and this is interrupted essentially by the war. But Mount Vernon was off-limits to everybody, both north and south. It was untouched during the war. The southern ladies that were running this preservation uh, ensured that Mount Vernon would not be occupied or destroyed or damaged by the Union, you see. The same could not be said for Robert E. Lee's home of Arlington. Now, this is also a Washington family property. But because Robert E. Lee lived there, it was going to be occupied, ransacked, pillaged, and then, of course, had a cemetery planted in his backyard. All because of Montgomery Meigs and his hatred of Robert E. Lee. It was to get Lee back. This was retribution. Now, of course, the federal government illegally seized the property, and, of course, the Lee family did win in court, but by that point, after the war, by that point, it was... It was irrelevant because you already had Arlington Cemetery in the backyard, and what were they going to do with it? But this was also a Washington family home. It was in the Custis family. That was George Washington's family by marriage. He treated all of the people that were in the Custis family as his own. In fact, when you go through his will, which I have in the reading George Washington class, I go through that. He even mentions... Robert E. Lee's wife's father uh, as uh, an important part of the Washington tradition. So this, this, uh, this idea, or grandfather as well, this idea that we have preservation comes straight out of the South because we see Southerners preserve these things, whereas Northerners bulldoze John Hancock's home. The effort at historic preservation in New England was not as robust as it was in the South. Southerners had a different reverence for their ancestors than Northerners did. It's not that Northerners didn't think that tradition was important, but they thought it was far less important than Southerners. And you think about that. Where are most of the important historic homes preserved in America? Well, the South. I mean, you look at 
Jefferson, Madison, Washington, and of course many, many others. But that's where historic preservation lives in the South. Northerners bulldoze all the stuff. Even if you go to Philadelphia, right? Go to go to Philadelphia. Of course, you have the you have what's now Independence Hall with the Philadelphia State House, which is preserved. But just about anything around it that was of worth was bulldozed. It's gone. Uh, the the northern commitment to economics, to growth, to property value was far more important than tradition. So you see, the entire concept of the American historical tradition and preser- preservation, preserving the past, is actually centered in the South. Southerners did this better and longer than anybody else. Even during the war, after the war, I should say, even after the war, the remembrance of the South was more important and a stronger draw than in the North. Southerners were erecting more monuments. They erected them in the North, too. I mean, there's no doubt about this. There's was, there was Northern monuments to the war all over the place. Southerners did more, not because they were trying to foist some type of agenda on the rest of the United States, some type of political position, but because for a long period of time, Southerners have been more interested in remembering and preservation preserving the past than their northern counterparts. This idea of progress and bulldozing something to create something new and then you know the, the, the draw of it was much more pronounced in the South than in the North. And again, it doesn't mean Northerners weren't interested in these things. And then you get, of course, to the centennial. You have the 50th anniversary in the 19-teens. And then you get the centennial in the 1960s. And Southerners, again, at that particular time, were much more interested in uh, a, a remembrance than Northerners, even the bicentennial. Uh, you had a lot more, uh, you, of course, you had this in Boston and other places too, but it seemed like Southerners were much more interested even in the bicentennial than, than Northerners. So this growth of historic preservation definitely comes out of Virginia, and of course the fact that Mount Vernon was preserved during the war, it was preserved during the war, there was no, going to be no fighting over Mount Vernon, it was going to be left alone, shows you how important that Southerners did believe, and of course you could say, well, Northerners left it alone too, they didn't occupy it and say this is ours. And what it, uh, They did believe as well this was important, George Washington was important. Of course, both sides claimed that they were fighting for the Washingtonian tradition, and Southerners stuck them on their seal of the Confederacy. Northerners did the exact same thing. We're fighting to preserve the union that George Washington created, etc., etc. And this is, that was the driving factor for most Northerners going off to fight in 1861. They weren't interested in any kind of moral crusade. That came later. But they certainly were, were both fighting over this legacy, this Washingtonian legacy. What did that actually mean for many of them? And if you go back and read James McPherson's For Cause and Comrades, he talks about this. There was a certain type of legacy that they were trying to preserve. And preservation, historic preservation, is certainly part of that. So as we think about preservation, we think about historic preservation. This led to the creation of the National Register of Historic Places and, of course, the federal legislation to preserve places, including things like the Arlington Confederate Monument. 
which is on the registry. Uh, there was an effort to say that what we need to do is preserve. There are things of historic worth and value that should not be removed, destroyed, bulldozed, and that those should stay in place. That could be a house. It could be a monument. It could be a building. It could be a site. We wanted to preserve the history of America and whatever we thought was valuable in that history and whatever we thought that why that, that place, that house, that field, that item, whatever it was, those things were important. And of course, you know, in the early 19th century, you had the establishment of the Smithsonian. And there certainly was an effort, and this came out of, of Pennsylvania, but there certainly was an effort to create um, a, uh, a national museum, so to speak. But uh, Southerners with places certainly led the way in this. And groups like uh, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, of course, in the South, were instrumental in this. And that's what the modern left can't stand. Because they, in their mind, didn't have input into this. They, in their mind, didn't have a role in this process. And all of this stuff is just wrong. You go out and you look at, quote-unquote, preservationists, the woke preservationists. They're not really preservationists. They are iconoclasts. They want to tear everything down that doesn't meet their narrative. They're not really interested in historic preservation. These aren't real historians. They're activists under the cover of a PhD or a potential PhD or an MA or whatever it is, whatever degree they have. They have a degree. They have credentials behind their name. So uh, people think, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're a student of history. They're a historian. No, they're an activist whose complete agenda is the destruction of all the preservation that had been established and worked through for a hundred years or more. 150 years of preservation, starting with, really, in many ways, Mount Vernon. This effort to preserve America's past. It's something that we're now destroying. I mean, we just saw it this week. The plaque that had been placed at Washington Lee to honor Traveler, a horse, had to be torn up because it had Robert E. Lee's name on it. You can't make this stuff up. Now a horse has to be changed because it has Lee's name on it. The man that the school, by the way, is, is named after, his horse, is now evil. It would, you would almost laugh at this and make a parody out of it if it wasn't so sad and actually happening that these people are getting their way. This is barbaric. Now, I do blame, in some ways, people on the right for some of this. And I'll give you an example. There was an effort... And I'll, and I'll, I'll weave this back into the 1619 Project and the Naming Commission in a minute. But there was, an there was an effort just recently in the Congress to have an amendment added to a defense spending bill to defund the entire Naming Commission and take away all of the ability for the Naming Commission to spend any dollars, or the United States military, I should say, to spend any dollars implementing the Naming Commission's recommendation, including tearing down the Arlington Monument. This is in the House of Representatives. Nineteen Republicans voted against it. And it was people like Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise voted against it, well, because all these people are Democrats anyways. See, this is how ridiculous the Republican Party has become. Well, those people are Democrats. They're just bad people. I'm in favor. Scalise has been on record for this. I'm in favor for taking down all this stuff because those were Democrats. 
Now think about how where what the logic in all this is. What he's trying to say is, well, the Democrats are the bad guys anyways. So yeah, we should take down their monuments. Yeah, we should take down their pictures. Yeah, we should take down their statues. They're just Democrats. We should put up statues of Republicans. You think about the logic here. It's all about the RD. It's all about the now, the political contest of the now. And of course, the Democrats are like, yeah, sure, we'll take this stuff down because those are your people anyways, you see. And you look at the debate in the Congress, and Congress is debating whether keeping Confederate names up. See, these people are really just Confederates. You see, that's Republicans run scared from this kind of stuff. When in reality, it's about preservation. It's about historic preservation. And saying we have a union of all the states, which includes all the people in the states, and so we should recognize all the people and all the descendants of the people, and we should recognize American history. And for a long time, even in the 1960s and even before that, Northerners, Southerners, they all joined hands and said, yeah, let's remember this war. Let's preserve the legacy of the war because we don't want it to happen again. That's not one thing we want to have. We don't want to have a war that's going to kill a million people. Let's try to put that off. Let's try to join hands and try to work together. Now that's gone. It's not about that. It's about my way winning. And of course, that's what this comes down to, the naming commission. It's There's nothing really... There's nothing historic about the naming commission. It's, these are iconoclasts. They just want to tear this stuff down. Ty Sigley is not really a historian. He's an activist. He's an activist. He has an axe to grind. Uh, he has his Mia Culpa, his Robert E. Lee and me, which is kind of stupid anyways. He's made, he's made a name because of a Mia Culpa. Think about that. It's about him. The book is all about him. It's not really about Robert E. Lee. It's about him and how stupid he was to believe Robert E. Lee was a great man. Hmm? That's, I mean, that's the whole point of the book. But And it's a bad book, by the way. Poorly researched. Uh, it's, it's just a really stupid book. But anyways, the whole point of this is to remove this long-standing American tradition of preservation. When you tear down a monument, you cannot call yourself a preservationist. You can't even call yourself a historian anymore. And I would say that to any of these people that want to tear down monuments. You're really not a historian, are you? You're not interested in history. You're interested in activism. And they don't even re they don't see it because that history doesn't matter to them. That history is um, that history is bad. And it needs to go away. It needs to not even in a museum anymore. It doesn't even need to be there. It just doesn't need to be talked about. When 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 the left likes to talk about the fact that the right wants to ban books and do these kind of things, uh, it's really the left that's been on this crusade for a long period of time. They are the they are the uh, the revolutionaries who are trying to remake American society at a point of, you know, say the 1960s or so. I would really say the 1970s because uh, it wasn't until the 1970s that you would have the full cycle of uh, the Second Reconstruction completed in America when you had um, some of the riots and everything in Boston, for example. So it wouldn't be until the 1970s that we can really even start anything anew in America because, well, it took us all that time to get to that point, you know, over a hundred years to get there. 
Now, how does this fit in with the 1619 Project and, of course, the Naming Commission? I'm going to use an example of a historian, quote-unquote, who was behind the Naming Commission, but the 1619 Project is the same agenda. It's the same thing. The, the objective of the 1619 Project is to reorient our interests in American history, or at least our founding, our preservation, to 1619. And in fact, they said for a time 1619 was the real founding of America, not 1776. Not, not, no way the founding period. It, that was it, 1619, because of course that's when the first African slaves were brought to the British North American colonies. That's an effort at reorientation. It's not an effort at preservation at all. It's a political activist agenda. Now, as historians I talked about yesterday, major historians, James Oakes, James McPherson, other, etc., etc., have called out the project for being incorrect in its history and bad in facts and all kinds of things. People have done this, but they're not calling it out for what it really is, and that is a complete distortion of the American historical tradition and historic preservation. Because of the 1619 Project people had their way, they would remove, they would remake American society in their own image. They would remake American history in their own image. They would rewrite. And of course, all history in many ways is revision. There's, there's no doubt about this. Historians are constantly revising how we think about things. All history is revision. But in their revision, there would be a new narrative for American society. And it would still be based on the proposition nation. They would start, as Nicole Hannah-Jones has done. If you go read her first essay, most people have never even read it. They just knee-jerk off 1619 Project Bat. Most people have never read it. But her first essay is essentially the proposition nation myth and that Americans never lived up to it. Abraham Lincoln himself didn't even live up to it. Nobody lived up to it until we got to the 20th century. Until we got to the 20th century. Then we started to sort of live up to it. When we got to the second period of what's often called the second reconstruction, or we're in the third reconstruction now, and people are talking about that on the left. We're in the third reconstruction. We're completing the work of reconstruction, where the revolution is ongoing. That's the whole point, you see. So when you look at the Naming Commission, you look at historic preservation and the tearing down of things. It's the exact opposite of the American historical tradition. If you're a historian out there, you don't tear things down. You never tear things down. Ever. It's not what historians do. They don't tear anything down. They preserve as much of it as they can. They conserve it because they want to understand it. It's a tragedy when any historic site any historic monument, any historic thing is removed just because somebody doesn't like it. And that's what we're getting to. And if you look at the historian driving the, uh, the efforts at removal, his name is Connor Williams. Now, Connor Williams doesn't even have a PhD. Connor Williams is a doctoral student at Yale. He, he, he's not credentialed. But of course, Connor Williams has been all over the place uh, to promote this idea that somehow all of these things in the South are bad. Now, they have to do this, they have to, they have to parse it in some ways, because if, 
If their position is correct, then even Mount Vernon should be removed. Right? Monticello. And of course, some of them want that. I mean, the 1619 Project certainly wants that. But there's a quote from Croner Williams that I thought was instructive. Uh, instructive. The last part of this piece, this was in Yahoo News. This was um, published on July 4th. This is a Connor Williams quote. What everyone wants to think about the Confederates, whatever they believed about states' rights or the right to secede from the Union, they were insurrectionists who unquestionably killed hundreds of thousands of U.S. Army soldiers. Now, this is what the change has happened, right? So, and you've seen it. It's been subtle. For a long time, it was taught about, people talked about the Confederacy and the Union. But now... What's happened, and eventually, essentially have adopted the Thaddeus Stevens position, you see. All this stuff is just regurgitating Thad Stevens. If you understand enough history, you'll, you'll see that. They're just regurgitating Thad Stevens and the radical Republicans. Stevens said, Stevens said, that uh, this is kind of, well, actually, I'll say this. This is kind of a mix of Lincoln and Stevens. Stevens liked to differentiate the Confederacy in the United States, and he said, look, uh, what we have, of course, we have an independent government down there. It, it, it actually exists. You know, we were at war with something. In northern newspapers, some northern newspapers recognize this. Now, Lincoln called it an insurrection. Lincoln called it an insurrection. These people were in rebellion. What Connor Williams has done here is, is mixed Lincoln's position with Stevens' position and said this was not really, this is two, this is where he's confused, this is two governments or two groups of people killing U.S. official U.S. soldiers and then insurrectionists. So these people killed, these people aren't even Americans anymore. They killed Americans. They're traitors. This is important. They're traitors. That's the traitor part of it. This is, this is what, you know, this is what Stevens is getting. Now, Stevens would not whole cloth voice this on the South. He would say, look, these people were just doing what they had to do. I don't really blame all the common people in the South. I would... I would just, you know, we're going to pardon those people. That We're going to go after the leaders, but we're going to pardon most of the people who were involved in this because they were misguided or whatever it was. You know, they're just, they're dragged into this just like anybody else. So he even had more sympathy for, for Southerners than these people do. But then Connor Williams says this. This is where history helps because many people sincerely believe that during the war, the United States is split into the Union and the Confederacy, separate equal nations with its own government. So what he's saying there in that quote is that that's wrong, that's incorrect. We didn't have a Union and Confederacy, we had the United States. That's it, we never had secession. We, the Confederacy never had their own government. The Confederacy had never split. They, had, they weren't separate and equal nations. You had the United States, and that's it. We had an, but what he's saying is we had an insurrection, and people were killing U.S. soldiers. So we shouldn't even we shouldn't recognize any of these people in any way whatsoever. That's not understanding the past. That's voicing an opinion and a political opinion on the past, because the people that were fighting for the Confederacy certainly believe they had their own government, and de facto they did. They certainly believed. There were two separate equal nations, I would say that that term is even incorrect, two separate equal federal republics in North America. The people that were fighting it sincerely believed this was the case. 
even some members in the United States, Congress believed this was the case. But to Connor Williams, that's a lie. And so lies have to be erased. It's not about understanding. It's not about understanding. It's a lie. And then he says this, I learned very quickly that many people who generally care about history, care about facts, and care about memory didn't hate the idea of removing Confederate names. They just didn't quite understand why those names should be removed. So what has he done here? He's conflated understanding with activism. If he cared about history, then you wouldn't remove any of this. None of this would come down. You see, what he's done is confused activism for history, for activism with real understanding. This is the danger behind these people. This is the danger behind the 1619 Project. This is the danger behind the Naming Commission. And why every American should pause at this particular point and understand that this is just the beginning. This is the tip of the revolution in many ways. They're going to come for everything because we just don't understand. You see, we don't understand any of this. We're just a bunch of stupid dupes. Dopes who don't, we've, been, we've been duped by all this. We're just dopes. We don't understand anything. These more enlightened people who care about history, care about facts, care about memory. If you cared about those things, well, then you would care about taking this stuff down. Because, I mean, think about the Orwellian doublespeak here. If you cared about memory, you'd care about erasing these things. If you cared about memory, you would care about taking this stuff down. You'd care about removing monuments. If we care about memory, if we care about history, you'd care about taking this stuff down. You see, it doesn't make any sense in reality. But this is where we are in the profession. This is, an, this is a graduate student. And these are the people that are going to be controlling the profession Moving forward, I mean, people like James McPherson and James Oakes, people that spoke out against 1619, they're old, they're retired, they're fully tenured, they're old. The new activists, the new activists are going to try to change everything. They don't really care about preservation. It's why I find the Smithsonian article that brings up Washington and John Hancock, and then there's this interview with a historian. Well, we need to be concerned about preservation. These are things. Is it more important about you know development, or is it more important about a house and preservation? We have to balance this stuff out. Well, they don't really care about preservation, because if they did, they wouldn't be interested in tearing any of this stuff down. That's where all these things weave together. Preservation is now dead in many ways. And what's replacing it is activism. See you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.